What is up, guys? This is Louis Munoz. And Danny Ramos. And welcome to the Coram Deo podcast. Welcome, welcome, friends. Danny, we got a great verse uh, to break down this week. We do, we do. But first of all, big shout out to all our listeners. Yes. Uh, man, thank you so much for listening. I was not expecting that outcome, <laughs> for real. We legit thought one person was going to listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but about, I want to say probably like, uh, what, 45, almost? Mm. Yeah, 45 of you showed up, and wow. that means a lot. Even if it's just for the first episode, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, last week we did um, an interview. Uh, and basically that's what we're going to be doing, right? We're going to be doing one week as position yeah. and then the other week, uh, free topic or interview or any theological, uh, topic that comes up, whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, guys, so bear with us. Uh, it's going to be a long ride in, uh, <laughs> first Peter. Yep. Uh, today we're going to be actually, uh, going through, uh, first Peter, like, uh, Louis said, and we're going to be touching on chapter, uh, chapter one still, <laughs> Verse three to five. Yep. What do you think about that, Louis? I love it. Uh, it's it's what is known as um, the doxology uh, passage in First Peter, which is interesting because most doxologies happen at the end of the book. Yeah. Um, or near the end. Um, and First Peter says, "I'm gonna." Peter said, "I'm gonna write it right in the beginning here because." Uh. Through a curveball. Yeah. And mainly because of what we spoke on last week. Uh, it's just so much beautiful things within knowing, or not last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, um, yeah. Knowing about the foreknowledge of God and the sanctification and the obedience of Jesus Christ. Um, so he breaks into song here. Um, yeah. 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 So you want to, uh, you want to, should we just start? Right? Let's do it. Yeah. I'll read it for us. Go ahead. First Peter chapter one, verses three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm. Mm. That's good. Real good. That's uh, <laughs> sounds like a lot of meat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so let's jump right uh, right into it. Um, first of all, let us remind you guys again: <laughs> we're not theologians, we're not experts, uh, but we're just you know uh, sharpening each other up, studying through the week, yep. and sitting down together at the table. Mm-hmm. Actually, right here at my house at the table drinking some coffee and delicious coffee yeah (laughs) and talking uh theology and going through scripture and learning together so if you have any questions you have any doubts if you feel that we're not doing a good job and Mm -hmm. you feel the need to call us out please do yes um email us uh reach out uh, to us through instagram or Twitter, yeah. uh, we're going to be uh, posting the, I, for some reason I can't remember the, <laughs> the email right now, so we're going to be posting that on the social media, yeah. and you guys can just reach out uh, to us through there. And we will happily take correction, mm-hmm. uh, or, or have you over as a guest, and you can, yeah. uh, you know, you, you can uh, uh, take us through the passage and, and explain it to us as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
What do you think about that? Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, guys. Uh, let first of all let us let let's define what what the what a doxology is. Right. Mm. A doxology is a hymn of praise. The word comes from the Greek doxa, which refers to glory that is ascribed to God because it, because it belongs eternally and intrinsically. That's good, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, that's a doxology is a hymn of praise. And in this case, uh, Peter is giving praise to the one and only yeah. God the Father. Um, something important for us to know is that this doxology is not divorced from the opening verses with which Peter uh, starts the letter. You guys remember uh, those verses, verses 1 to 2, uh, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Um, according, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And then verse 3 to 5, right? The doxology. This doxology that starts in verse 3 is not divorced for, from those uh, 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 verses that are, that, are, that, that are coming before. Peter has um, um, clearly uh, 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 reasons, right? He has, he has uh, uh, reasons for why he praises the Father. And, and, and what I'm understanding as I'm reading this and studying this and going through these this two commentaries that I'm using for this is that, that in his mind, he has the concept of election, mm. right? And, and, um, and remember, guys, Peter is, is particularly talking to um, this audience that is, that, is, that is going through persecution, yeah. right? However that looks like in these provinces of, of Rome, um, and however uh, uh, that, that persecution may, may look like in the life of these believers individually and collectively. And Peter is encouraging them with this letter, right, to, to suffer well, and to know that they belong to God mm. and that um, they have this hope and this inheritance. Um, and Peter has reasons and he's giving them reasons. And by and large, throughout time, he's giving us reasons for why we should praise God. And I believe he has in, in, in his mind the electing grace of God upon his people. Yeah. And that should be reason for us as well to, to, man, to praise God. Um, I wrote it here one, in one of the notes. The, this electing grace that Peter has experienced and that he is also reminding his brothers and sisters in Christ that they have received and also experienced with him should be at the front end of our hearts and mind and bring us always to give glory and praise to God for what He alone has done for us in Christ Jesus. Mm. So I think every time we think about this and, and about God's electing grace upon His people should be more than enough reasons for us to man, drop on our knees and, and praise God for what He has done yeah. uh, in our lives and, and, and that we have we had 
technically no say on it, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, this was his doing. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's interesting that every passage that tackles predestination and um, unconditional election um, that God chose us before the foundations of the world, every passage in scripture ends with the doxology when it talks about those things. Mm. We see this one in first Peter. We see the one in Romans where it goes into this. um, It's not traditionally a doxology, but that statement at the end of Romans chapter eight, I am convinced there nothing can separate us from the love of God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, We see it in uh, Ephesians chapter one, where it's always making much of who God is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because of that, that I think in the same sense that because the doctrine of predestination and election is one that breeds forth doxology in, um, in all of scripture as proponents of predestination and unconditional election, people who would consider themselves Calvinistic or reformed. Um, I want to preface this by saying we always need to look at our hearts and see if these truths are leading us to doxology Mm. because I, I know you call it the cage stage, right? Yeah. In the cage stage, it never leads to doxology. It usually leads to quarrels. Yeah. Um, And I think that says a lot about our own hearts. Um, And I think what Peter does is he teaches us well that, no, this ought to lead us to praise. Because since it is not our doing and it is God's doing solely, then this is the the proper response is to praise the one that does it all. Yeah, yeah. So Um, Sproul... Uh, leaves a note here that I it's really good he says people are not elect because they have faith but they are elect to have they are elected to have faith mm. faith itself is the result of God's electing grace and that's mm. again that's more than enough reasons for us to every time we think man like every time we think or have this 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 thought that uh, every time we think we have this thought, of course, right? We're thinking we're having a thought, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but everything that comes to our mind that, man, like um, this faith that we have, that we embrace, um, man, that it, that it is God's doing in our life, right? Ray, Ray Summers, who was a theologian, um, and he wrote with uh, Broadman uh, commentaries, he said on, on the issue of salvation, he said, there's two proponents at work in salvation, the faith of man and the sovereignty of God. Mm. He said, the sovereignty of God is the most important thing. The faith of man in comparison <laughs> to the sovereignty of God is non-existent. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it because he said, it's not that the faith of man doesn't matter. It, faith matters. Yeah. Yeah. But compared to the sovereignty of God. Yeah. It's very small. Yeah. So. <laughs> now. We said that, right, or I said, and, and I think Louis is in agreement. <laughs> we said, okay, we said. <laughs> we said that um, Peter has his reason, right, that starts in verses 1 and 2, um, God's election of his people. Hmm. And, and there is also a reason here that he continues, right? He, he in verse 3, First is the reason in, in verses 1 and 2, election that happens uh, in eternity past, 
mm. before anything uh before we have done anything good or evil yeah and then he says here in verse three according to his great mercy mm. blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy here it is he has caused us to be born again to a living hope yeah born again he has caused us to, to be born again um and 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 peter is talking about uh, what we call um in theology um about regeneration and let me define what, regen what regeneration is and then louis will will <laughs> will jump in real quick on that uh regeneration the idea of regeneration is expressed as rebirth, being born again. Mm. This new birth suggests that suggests the newness of life in Christ. The process of regeneration is not brought about by human righteousness, but by the gracious act of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in that too, something that we need to see is Peter is writing this from a place. Uh, I love this. I think it was R.C. Sproul that said this. Just as no, it was um, it was that guy Ray Summers. Um, just as Peter holds uh, to the common conception of grace with Paul, Peter also holds to the common conception of new birth with John the Apostle. Yeah. So we can't read this passage without understanding what First John five one through five says of. Um, it says, if whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, he has to be born of God, right? Mm -hmm. And we can't read either of those two passages without understanding the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, when Nicodemus asks, what do you mean being born again? Can a man re-enter his mother's womb? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and it is this that uh, I think is interesting because... Um, it's something that is very important with regeneration is that our faith does not bring about regeneration and rebirth. Mm -hmm. It's actually the, the opposite rebirth and regeneration breeds forth our faith. Yeah. It awakens our faith. Um, and yeah, it's something that as we look at this, I, I love what RC Sproul said. He said, we have been born again to a hope, yeah. a living and lasting hope. The hope is inseparably related to the resurrection because it is grounded in the reality that when God raised his son from the dead, he raised him as the firstborn of many brethren and that all who are in him will share in that resurrection life. Yeah. And we have been born again, not just to have better quality of life in this world, not simply to be given a second chance, but to live a life that goes on forever sustained by the power of the resurrected Christ. That's good. That's that living hope that he's talking about. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, but before we go out there to the living hope, um, there's, there's two views that, that are, that are hold here towards regeneration. And these two views are uh, synergism and monergism. And one in one aspect of, of, of this view, synergism, um, it's refer is referred to as 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 a cooperation mm -hmm. of the human will and and the the Holy Spirit right 
mm-hmm. doing this a- a work of regeneration in the life of uh, of uh, the believer or the person who's dead mm-hmm. spiritually, and then and correct me if I'm wrong um, if, in any of these huh? <laughs> any of these uh, um, terms, and then mon- monergism uh, that is that what I believe the biblical and and the reform mm-hmm. position uh, that regeneration is. Um, an act or, or 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 the result of God working alone yeah. in the life of that dead person, um, and I think about I think about the passage that I think about. Did, let me clarify this for you guys. We believe in regeneration as a monergist, mon, mon, monergistic mm-hmm. act, <laughs> not synergistic. Yeah, uh, we believe that that God alone. Mm. brought a dead person to life and that that dead person had no yeah. um had no uh, um cooperation to do <laughs> in bringing in and helping himself to 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 live with the power of the holy spirit um and i say that and i think about this passage i just can't put it down um or the account of um when jesus calls forth lazarus yep you got it there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, Jesus calls out Lazarus and he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't tell Lazarus. Can you give me, can you give me a hand here? Yeah. Right? No. He calls him out. Lazarus has been dead for what? Three, four days, right? Mm-hmm. His body stinks already. Yeah. My boy smells in that, in that <laughs> tomb. <laughs> um, and, and, and Jesus gives him a command and Lazarus comes back to life and comes out. Mm. Right? So when we think about being born again and we talk about somebody being dead in their sin, this is what we think about. This is the picture that comes to at least my, my mind. We're dead four days in tomb stinky already (laughs) and the command is given and we are born again Mm. and we have no choice probably that will get me in a little bit of trouble we have no choice but to come out to the one who is calling us to come out yeah I don't know if that, that makes sense yeah yeah and there's also an analogy of a man um, or a woman um, at sea, right? And they're in the midst of drowning and they're like gasping for someone to come and save them. And you hear this, that, you know, at that last moment, Jesus comes and grabs the arm and pulls that person yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is what scripture tells us throughout, especially thinking of verses like Ephesians 2 or even looking at the story of Lazarus is if that analogy is indeed used, the more biblical version of that analogy is we're not fighting with the waves and gasping for air. We're already at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. And Jesus has to come and retrieve us from the ocean floor. Yeah. Um, man, that's, that's the image of rebirth and regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So we can safely... Uh, say that only God in his supernatural power can cause 
you to be born again. Yep. And that's, um, I mean, if we consider the facts that we're dead in sin and that dead people can't do nothing for themselves because they're <laughs> dead, <laughs> this should bring us to praise God. Yeah. The fact that He had mercy on us and called us back to life. Mm. And we were dead and He called us back to life to himself should be more than enough reasons to yeah. um, for us to give him praise to be the most or to be the happiest <laughs> people on earth yeah. actually so yeah God is God is um, um, the only one that can cause this um, rebirth born again in our life so from there we read then after Peter continues and he says he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead which means he d he hasn't he hasn't only tr um he hasn't he hasn't uh, I'm going to butcher this cuz I I am horrible with past tense and future and present tense he, he hasn't only chosen us, right? No, that's, that's wrong. Sorry, Continue guys. It. Correct correct me. He hasn't only choose. Ah. He didn't only choose us. There you go. Mm. <laughs> Thank you guys for having mercy on me. <laughs> he didn't only choose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, before we had done anything good or evil. He didn't only brought us back to life once we were dead in our sin and just left it there without no purpose, he did all of this and there is a purpose in mind. Hmm. There's something, right, that, that, that's tagging along with this. And Peter expands, he caused us to, to be born again to a living hope. Yeah. Through the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ from the dead. Archie Sproul says, in biblical categories, this hope is certainly, and sorry, this uh, hope is the, cer the certainty and the fullness of assurance that God will do in the future everything that he says he will do. Mm. I'm going to re repeat that again. In biblical categories, this hope is the certainty and the fullness of assurance that God will do in the future everything that he says he will do. So therefore, guys, the beauty of this hope is that in the midst of persecution, believers can know. Remember, Peter is writing to, to this, this specific people, right? And we benefit from this from this because, you know, yeah. this theological principles can apply to us as well today. And it certainly does to believers are on the world who are in, under persecution the beauty of this hope is that in the midst of persecution believers can know that they um have a true and everlasting hope that is anchor in the resurrection of christ jesus as lord hmm. because li listen because god raised him from the dead and we are in christ we can be secure that we will partake in a resurrection like his. 
Hmm. And that's real hope. Yep. Not like the hope that we regularly have on a daily basis. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope it doesn't snow today. We're in Chicago. It's winter. It's cold. I hope it is not cold <laughs> for the rest of the winter. Mm. But we don't know. That could change. Yeah. Sproul says that, ca- that, that, that the hope that Peter's talking about here in biblical category is that is that of a true hope that because God said it, it's going to happen. Yeah. And that is real, lasting, everlasting, mm. true hope. What do you think, Louis? Yeah. I can't help but look back at who he's talking to, right? The exiles. Um, I have a question for you, Danny. Have you ever, it's an easy one. <laughs> have you ever gone on a road trip or a vacation and it just felt so long and you were like, man, I'm having so much fun, but I just can't wait to get home. Right. Have you ever felt that way? Uh, yes. Like that homesickness. Yeah. 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 I think each and every one of us has that, whether it's we see glimpses of that in our world, in our life, or whether it's, but more than that, we have that when it comes to going home yeah, to be with God, which is that living hope. And I think the thing that is, that is interesting about this is we talked about one Lazarus. Let's talk about another one, right? Lazarus and the rich man. Um, what Job chapter 27 verse 8 tells us is Job asks this question, for what is the hope of the godless when God cuts him off, when God takes away his life? We see in, this, in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus, this poor beggar, where the dogs come and lick at his wounds, and this rich man who is not given a name, who has everything that in this world that could desire but his hope is cut off when when God says your time is up Mm -hmm. right when he dies his hope is cut off but Lazarus the opposite happens his hope is renewed his hope is has just begun right we see the next image of both of these men dead and one in torment and the other one in heaven Um, and that's the thing that we see in this this living hope that this living hope is guaranteed to us for those who are born again that ultimately our homesickness will be found to say wow this is it Um, it reminds me of the verse in Ezekiel the ending verse in Ezekiel that um, after uh, you see the parameters of the city being laid out it says in this this city has a name Mm -hmm. and the name is called I'm going to say some Hebrew right here Yahweh Shema (laughs) <laughs> which means the Lord is there. Mm. That's our living hope. Yeah. That we get to be face to face with the one who all of these things we're talking about, the one who predestined us, the one who, uh, who elected us, the one who uh, regenerated us, gave us rebirth. We're yeah. going to see him not dimly, but face to face. Yeah. yeah. You see, and that's, that's what, you know, that's why I think like, what you just said connects really well to what, you know, Sproul says about like the biblical, this, this hope and, you know, 
and the biblical category what it means right like it's mm. real hope yeah um and the reality is that 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 future event of of receiving that right mm. it's amazing to, just to think about it <laughs> yeah but for those of us whether we are now or we will in the future um or those brothers and sisters around the world who are facing persecution who are going through uh, tribulation in a way that probably we probably we i'm certain that we have an experience <laughs> here mm -hmm. in america at least um and as, when i say we i say at least louis, louis and me <laughs> yeah. i don't know if some of you but none of that and i think this is what peter is pointing to none of that as much as they may hurt none of that compares or gets close to having real hope in the blessing of resurrection. Yeah. And because Jesus is Lord and He, right, our 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 our, our, our older brother, mm. um, resurrected from the dead. God resurrected him from the dead. We can bank and secure that yeah. alongside with alongside with Him we will also be resurrected from the dead. Mm. And that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Because that, that means that we will, we will suffer. <laughs> in this yeah. side of eternity, suffering will come in one way or another. But we can have hope that because we are in Christ, together with Him, mm. we will be raised. And that is a promise that God is keeping to the end. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I think doxology is something that just as God meets us where we're at, uh, for those of us that right now as we're listening to this, um, some of us may be in the valley and some of us may be on the mountaintop. And God is at both of those places with each and every one of us. What that reminds us with doxology is that humankind always has reason to praise. Uh, it's either whether we're praising through shouts of praise or whether we're praising God through bitter tears of lamentation because of this future hope, this living hope that is coming, that the trials, the tribulations that Daniel just spoke on, they will not be our end-all, be-all. Yeah. They will find their rest when, we're, when we find rest in heaven. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So, guys, Peter continues. And he moves on in verse um, four and says, "Well, he doesn't move. He doesn't move on, but <laughs> I, we are moving on to verse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> four. Um, let's take it up on verse three. He causes to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse four to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you." Mm. You know what uh you know what Peter just did, right? He took imperishable, undefiled and unfading. For those of you that learned how to preach through Moody Bible Institute, um <laughs> what he did there is in the Greek, all of those words begin with the same letter. Mm. 
and all of them are usage of, of alliteration. Now, I don't know how to say them in Greek, but Daniel, I think this is the origin of the original first three-point sermon <laughs> that have some sort of rhyme or alliteration to them. <laughs> they are... <laughs> It's right here. I didn't, I didn't, oh man, I didn't think about that. <laughs> oh, Peter. Yeah. Peter, Peter. Got us again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, on, um, on a thing that is, it's so interesting because he speaks of this inheritance and you would think he would describe it in things of, this is what the inheritance is. Mm -hmm. But he tells us this inheritance is so great that there's not enough enough adjectives to share what this inheritance is. So I'm going to share with you what it isn't. <laughs> and it is, it's, it, it cannot perish. It, it, it cannot be defiled and it cannot fade away. Like that's so beautiful to think of that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's something that as you look at it, it is this command that we have too, right? That uh, what does not perish cannot come to nothing. That what will not spoil will not be stained with the smallest spots. Yeah. That what does not fade stays the same and is immutable. And since our inheritance will never perish, it makes all of our earthly possessions and inheritance pale into insignificance. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Because it's it's a it's an inheritance that. Even this, as it's kept in heaven, the easiest way for Peter to break it down is to say, ah, let me just share with you what it isn't. Because it's so grand, it's so beautiful, that I can't put into words what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to read this, because I think this is really, really good. It's from the New American Commentary. Wow. And you were just saying that, like, so many adjectives right there but like the, <laughs> there's not enough adjectives to like yeah. describe the, the inheritance and i'm like i was like looking for this inheritance like <laughs> where is this inheritance in this text man yeah um do you have a theory on what the inheritance is actually i don't but i really i really like what um um shriner uh writes here in um the new american commentary he says elsewhere we are told that god is imperishable mm -hmm. romans chapter uh, 1 verse 23 First um, Timothy, chapter one, verse seventeen, and that our resurrection, uh, uh, and that our resurrection bodies or our resurrected bodies are incorruptible. First Corinthians chapter uh, fifteen, verse twenty-two. The inheritance cannot spoil. Sorry, the, the inheritance cannot spoil, or perhaps better, is undefiled. Right, the inheritance cannot be undefiled. The inheritance will not lose its luster and beauty. It will never become stained or filthy. The same word is used to denote Jesus' sinless, sinlessness, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, the purity of marriage, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, and genuine religion, James chapter 1, verse 27. Finally, the inheritance will never fade. It will last forever just as the crown of the reward that the elders receive will never fade away. First Peter chapter five, verse four. Mm. I think that was so good. Um, because even if he's not expounding here and we can be missing this, right? Like yeah. 
even if Peter's not expounding here what the inheritance is, I I I like how how he says that that um Schreiner says that in Romans chapter one verse twenty three, first Timothy chapter one verse um seventeen, that we're told that God is imperishable. Mm-hmm. Um and whatever that inheritance looks like mm-hmm. in that side of eternity, I like to think about I like to think about Jesus as being right that that mm. that thing that our reward another mm. word for like i think for inheritance so for me it's more than enough that in this side of eternity i can i can tell myself mm. wait on the lord because he himself is your reward yeah right through suffering through pain through whatever wait on the lord because he himself is your reward um and then again you know i could be missing what peter is saying here so I'm open to correction. I'm open to being taught as well. Um, but I like that idea that, you know, that that um, Jesus is our greatest reward mm. <laughs> and that nothing can compare to to receiving anything higher or greater or better than Jesus himself as yeah. our Lord. Yeah. I Robert Layton, I think that's his name, he had a theory on what the inheritance is. And he said that the inheritance was, and I may be jumping ahead a little bit um, to verse to the ending of verse 5, but he believed that it was the possession of salvation, that salvation is the inheritance. Mm. And I'll just read what he put. He put, Indeed, this possession is salvation. For in it, it sets us free from the curse of the law, Salvation sets us free from the wrath of God, from everlasting death, from mortality and decay, from the power and the stain of sin, from temptation, from griefs and afflictions of this life. But then he goes on and he says, yet all of these freedoms are only glimpses on earth, for we are not totally free. Mm. He says, we still struggle with the law. We still feel the wrath, fear the wrath of God. We will all experience death and decay. We all have stains of sin that need cleansing. We all struggle with temptation. We all have grief and we all endure afflictions. I love this though. Yeah. He says, yet a day is coming when true liberation from all these things will be seen and we are made anew. That's good. He swayed me a little bit. I was like, I don't know. Um, you know what? And you know what? I'm going to take a, take a chance right here and say like, I'm going to correct myself too. <laughs> <laughs> And I would say, like, man, like, I think that's spot on. Mm. I think that's spot on. Um, if Dr. Schreiner is listening to this, forgive me for butchering <laughs> your your commentary because you actually clarified then in mm. verse five, in, in verse five of your commentary that uh, the living hope of believers, according to verse four, is the inheritance. And verse four emphasizes that in, that, that the inheritance is imperishable, beautiful, and reserved for believers. Now in verse 5, Peter considers whether his readers will certainly receive the inheritance. Before we consider that theme, we should note that Peter now describes the inheritance in terms of salvation. Mm. And he says, salvation can be defined as being rescued from God's judgment or wrath in the last day. Mm. I like that. Yeah. It's beautiful. (laughs) 
So I correct myself and I, 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 I I'll backtrack on that. So mm -hmm. thank you, Louis. You see, that's what I mean. He, he, he Louis is pastoring me here. I, <laughs> I love what uh, R.C. Sproul said too. Before we even started um, recording, you said that uh, R.C. Sproul sometimes in his commentaries tries to be a poet. Um, and I think that's what he tried to do with this too. He said, we were being saved. We are being saved. Uh, well, let me back up. We were being saved. We are saved. And we are being saved. Yeah. But ultimately, we shall be saved. Yeah. When we enter into the fullness of the inheritance yeah. that is being reserved. Yeah. Um, man, that's beautiful. And what a way to. Yeah, I was jumping ahead and I'm sure there's more we need to speak on. But that's a fitting way to end that doxology, yeah. right? Yeah. Is on salvation. Yeah. And that's I think that's perfect the way that, you know, Sprout put it. Yeah. How salvation takes place in three ways. Salvation, we, we, we were saved, right? We are being saved, and we are going to be saved. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's amazing because that, that tells something not about us, but about God. Yeah. Right? And how God has bestowed His grace upon undeserving people like mm -hmm. us. So... Um, yeah, I think that's a, a, a great way to, to finish verse three to five. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have something else. I think just the biggest thing, um, these five opening verses, I was speaking with you, um, before we started this and something that as we look at themes, uh, might be good to look at kind of the fullness of, uh, for those of us that are listening that don't know what reformed theology is um or don't know what it means when i say words like tulip or the five points of calvinism is that a flower yeah it is a flower. <laughs> <laughs> um man the the presence of all five of those um things of total that man is totally depraved mm -hmm. that uh as a result of that god unconditionally elects us um that the atonement is limited um that or what I like to say is the atonement was definite. Definite. Yes. Two dip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, VR. Yeah. <laughs> definite redemption. <laughs> That's it. Um, and that um, grace is completely irresistible. Mm -hmm. And as a result to all of that, that we persevere to the end, that yeah. the saints will persevere. And basically what I'm trying to say in all of this is, when we read the commentary that Sproul wrote, everything that Sproul is saying is nothing new than what Jonathan Edwards said. Yeah. Everything that Jonathan Edwards said is nothing new than what John Calvin said. Yeah. Everything that John Calvin said is nothing new that Martin Luther said. Everything that Martin Luther said is not new than what Augustine said. What we see in this passage is what Augustine said was yeah. nothing new than what Peter said. Yeah. And Peter never contradicts Paul so everything Peter said is what Paul was saying. Yeah. And ultimately what everything was that Paul was saying is what Jesus was saying. Yeah. And it shows this, this beautiful image of that. And I think that's a great way to look at kind of the ending of all of this is yeah. these are the truths of the gospel. And it's, it's beautiful. You know, I was just listening to, I don't know if this is even going to make the podcast. I don't know where this is going to end, but I was listening to, Albert Moeller's sermon uh, two years ago that he preached uh, at Wittenberg 
um, Germany um, at the church that Martin Luther would preach. And I didn't know Martin Luther's buried in that church, like right in front of the, right in front of the pulpit. And um, what Albert Moeller said throughout that is he said, um, Martin Luther was chastised and comes against because he preached a certain gospel. Mm. And he said, but Martin Luther preached that gospel with integrity, with passion, because he believed it was the gospel. And he said, and 500 years later, this was in the 500 year anniversary of the Reformation, 500 years later, that same gospel is preached. And he went on to say, that is the gospel. Friends, this is the gospel. Peter speaks yeah. on it so clearly. That's good. And I, I think, not I think, I know since it is the gospel, it leads us to what this is, doxology. Yeah. yeah. So That's good. So there you go, guys. That's First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. So if you have any questions, please write, write to us to our email podcast, coramdeo at gmail.com. Or you can also find us on Instagram, Coramdeo Podcast. You're going to see the logo, background blue, white cross, Coramdeo under the cross. So please follow us. Or if you happen to have Apple Podcasts, mm. please leave a review so that Brand we new. can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave a review so that we can uh, uh, know how we are um, reaching out to you guys and how we can actually, you know, uh, uh, do better at our podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. So... I have a question, Danny. Yeah. I totally forgot. I was going to ask you this in the middle of the podcast, but I'm having a rough time. Sometimes when I come to my quiet time, yeah, I can't find a way to sit down and just read scripture. Is there something that can help me with that? Actually, great. That's, that's a great question, man. Because right now I'm looking at this app that I have in my phone. It's called Streetlights. What is that? Uh, man, it's a Bible app. Uh, you won't have much of a quiet time because it has a, has a, has a, a, a background music. But hmm. instead of you reading yourself to sleep, <laughs> this uh, app won't read you to sleep, but um, you'll be able to listen to scripture. Wow. Uh, there's different uh, people record uh, who record it uh, through this uh, um uh, books of the bible and and man you'll be able to uh, at least for now is the new testament i'm not sure if they're doing anything for the old testament yet mm. um but you'll be able to listen to scripture uh with a cool background uh music and at least i'm using it every morning yeah. when i wake up and it helps me to, you know stay in tune with my bible reading maybe I'm, maybe yeah. the next time i have five bucks i'll because it's probably about five bucks nah right? man nope nope what nope not five dollars you want to try again how uh 99 cents? Nope. Not even 99 cents? It is free. 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 Oh so goodness. go to your uh, um, go to your app store or whatever, Google Play, and then download Streetlights for free. So with that said, have a great week, people. Bye. Bye-bye.